This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. Rungo's country, we did it, baby. Big GB. Let's go. Y'all turned up, man. You guys were amazing out here today. Big dub, away game. Way to finish. Broncos country, another win, another opportunity. We secured the dog. Let's keep on going. Let's keep moving forward. Back on track. Come on now. The Denver Broncos celebrating their win. That, of course, from the uh, the Broncos social media account, grabbing all their guys as they walk off the Field yesterday in SoFi Stadium. Russell Wilson, Gary M. You heard Garrett Bowles, reference to GB, a lot of the Broncos' best players. Obviously, very excited about it and justifiably so because they not only get the win, Sandy, and they dominated that game 24 to 7. This game turned out not to be very close, and that's not because Justin Herbert got hurt. The defense for the Denver Broncos was so good from the get-go that Herbert and the offense could get nothing going. And by then, the Broncos had taken a lead that felt almost insurmountable. And Brandon Staley's stubbornness in when it comes to sticking to analytics entirely over taking a more holistic approach, including game situation, the larger situation in the standings, any sort of situation when it comes to the confidence of your players and getting points, uh, is but going didn't to... he turn out to be right? Field goals weren't going to win that game. Field goals weren't going to win that game for the Chargers. If they were up through... Field oh, goals I, were I, not going to win the game. The Chargers' I don't he was problem right is they can't get in the end zone. And Brandon Staley's problems go far, far, far beyond what he does on fourth down. There are coaches now in the NFL that are more aggressive than Brandon Staley on fourth down, and because they are better coaches and have their teams in better shape, they're celebrating. I mean, late, you know, late in the game, they, they ran a fourth down play we're planning to, and they had sort of a gimmicky alignment that they ran up, and then... They had to call a timeout, burn it for well, that, yeah. then to go okay, to a fourth but, down but, in which they, they don't get. They're a dysfunctional team. And and the, the fourth down stuff, I I don't think it's it's material. And I, Ooh, I think wow. you made the decision yesterday that touchdowns were necessary, uh, that he either had more faith in Denver's offense than most of us did or less faith in his own defense than he should have had because I actually thought there defense under the circumstances played for the most part a, a halfway decent game uh, but field goals were not going to win that game this wasn't the Broncos of earlier in the season where field goals might be enough to beat them uh, this was a game where you had to get in the end zone and I I didn't uh, myself have that much of an issue with his thinking that okay you could have kept the game closer longer, but it would have been a delusion. Uh, you, you would have been down instead of seven to nothing, maybe seven to six. But you don't think maybe it would have been an impact if you're up three to zero after the Broncos no, cough up the ball in their first really. offensive play? Not really. No. You don't believe that would have gotten in Denver's head? Discourage it. No. I, I don't think much of anything gets into Denver's head nowadays. Uh, maybe they get into their own heads on offense a little bit too often, but. Even there, uh, I'm I'm looking yesterday, and 
you know, it's one of those games. You, you can look at several games yesterday where, and, and I'll give you Buffalo, for example. Okay. Because they won. Right. Okay. Josh Allen's stats yesterday weren't as good as Patrick Mahomes' stats. But if you watch the game, Josh Allen had a dominating performance. Well, if you look at QBR, you Allen can't was just look at yeah. 47.9, which is still sub average, yeah. but Patrick Mahomes That's was 27.3. Well, okay. Yeesh. And Mahomes is is down cuz his receivers drop passes and I don't know if QBR accounts for for that. His receivers drop passes higher rate than anybody else in the league. But if you watch that game yesterday, you know Josh Allen played well. And the statistics in the game suggested that uh, he did not play much of a game. And, uh, yeah, Mahomes had a higher passer rating. And, listen, more than 80% of the time, the quarterback with a higher passer rating is on the winning side and celebrating victories. And if you watched Patrick Mahomes, that was the last thing he was which doing is, at the which end is of the interesting. game yesterday. Oh, it was the last thing he was doing because, you know, passer rating, as we've talked about here, we, we talked about QBR and passer rating, and I think we both favor QBR it's, because it's it, more a complete it, modern metric. But four, four out of five But games, the, the numbers are the numbers. They, they're the numbers, and I'm charting them week by week. And it's, that's in part it's because... It's over 80% of the time the higher passer rating belongs to the quarterback whose team won the because game. Because passer rating is primarily based on... Let, let's just efficiency, right? Accuracy. And not and not, and not turning the ball over. Right. So even though it doesn't measure everything you do, right. if someone has a high passer rating, the odds are they had fewer turnovers than the other odds guy. are that they didn't screw they, up the game. they also completed more passes at a higher percentage. Right. They didn't. That's no. a perfect way to put it. The higher passer rating probably didn't screw up the game. Maybe they didn't go out there and, and win it for you, but they didn't screw up the game. And I think it would be fair to say you look at the pass rating in that Buffalo-Kansas City game. Yeah. Patrick Mahomes was not the reason they lost. No. And Josh Allen was a big part of the reason they won. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, I thought McDermott, considering the kind of week he had, certainly had them ready to play. The Bills have snatched defeat from the jaws of victory all, all year, several times already. At, at least four, yeah. Prior to yesterday, and it looked like yesterday would be a fifth when you saw Tony running for the end zone after the lateral he took from Kelsey uh, on what was a beautiful play. Beautiful and I play. think pa- part of Reed's frustration, and by the way, I don't know if you saw it, Reed totally backed off today. Oh, I didn't. Completely backed off. Well, because he doesn't He said, well, it's a matter of uh, (laughs) discussion. And uh, when asked, he said, no, our guy didn't check with the official, which is the whole point, I guess, that he was trying to make. Well, they warn you. Well, they, yeah, sometimes there's no rule about it, though. They They don't have to. But basically, they were holding to the idea that he had checked and they had either ignored him or. Uh, misinformed him or whatever, it, and he acknowledged that there was. In other nothing, words, they didn't. Know uh, there was nothing unintended. Uh, no leg to stand on. There was, he said, a coaching point to be made. Yeah. In other words, it's on me. When, when all was said and done, and Mahomes, uh, who didn't get upset when he could have a week ago, went ballistic yesterday. Now a week ago, he had a point. 
but they had also gotten some breaks. And I think he realized that mm-hmm. too, that games are poorly officiated in the NFL. As the season goes on, the officiating seems to get worse and worse and worse. And uh, I've said this for years, the NFL by comparison to the other sports, I believe possible exception of baseball, certainly an easier game to officiate than hockey or basketball. And they do the worst job because for the most part, they're part-timers, yeah. they're weekend warriors. They're, they're not in shape. And the NFL they, could fix that anytime they and, wanted and, and to. And they could make them all full-time with a snap of the finger, proverbially speaking. Uh, but they don't. But it, we're, we're getting, uh, I'm getting far away from the, the overall point I was trying to make. The The Broncos beat the Chargers yesterday because they are a much more functional team than the Chargers. I think that is also true of about 28 to 30 teams in the NFL right now, but it takes nothing from Denver's victory yesterday because the simple fact is Denver before the game was in 10th place in the AFC behind at six and six. This is before the game seven and six Houston, obviously uh, still are because of the tiebreaker head to head seven and six Indianapolis conference record and seven and six Cincinnati, not on conference record, but on the basis that Cincinnati had already won its earlier right, game, earlier in the week, right? right so there's seven and six. And of course, Pittsburgh seven and six and Pittsburgh was in sixth before the Broncos played yesterday remains in sixth as does Cleveland in fifth, uh, eight and five before the game, still eight and five after the Broncos game. But, their position improved because they vaulted over Cincinnati on the basis of conference record, which means that if the Broncos stay clean from here on out and they continue to win their AFC games, even if Cincinnati wins all its AFC games, Cincinnati's working from behind the Broncos. So that's the good news about the Broncos winning yesterday. Cincinnati, I think, is a real threat. Because Cincinnati's got Minnesota. Minnesota's dying on the vine, uh, at least on offense, right? Mm-hmm. They scored three points right, yesterday. And and beat Justin the Raiders Jefferson got hurt as soon right. as he came and, back. And Jefferson is hurt, and who knows how right. long he'll be out. Then Cincinnati's at Pittsburgh, another dissolving team. Uh, then they're at, at Kansas City. That'll be tough, uh, but they've got Cleveland in the last game. So they, they, they get the 10 and 7. But if the Broncos get to 10 and 7, even assuming they lose to Detroit, Mm-hmm. This upcoming Saturday night, and they finish ten and seven, they'll be ahead of Cincinnati. They'll have the tiebreaker over a Houston team that uh, finishes nine and eight. And they won't have the tiebreaker. They, they'll have a better record. Right. So right. They we need the tiebreaker. The tiebreaker won't hurt them with respect to Houston. Uh, Pittsburgh. I Pittsburgh's got uh, at Indy, Cincinnati at home, at Seattle, at Baltimore. <laughs> Yeah, uh, they'll be lucky to get a split. And the Steelers and the Colts obviously play next week, and that'll Steelers that's going to Colts, knock one of them it, down. I I think one of them will be not only knocked down but knocked out. Uh, the loser will be knocked out of that game. So now you look at these schedules, and you know it's hard to imagine the Broncos not being able to win every game, save for the one in Detroit on Saturday night. And don't and presume I, that they Detroit won't win that. Hasn't mm-hmm. been very good lately. Uh, I don't yesterday. know that Detroit is collapsing, but you know they 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 got skewered by Chicago, and I think the Broncos got the Bears at the right time. If they got the Bears a month later or two months later, it might have 
in uh, yeah. a different story. But th- these are the kinds of things that have to break right for you when you start one and five and you're trying to get to 10 wins. Um, I, I think it's possible, certainly, that the Broncos could lose on tiebreakers mm-hmm. and miss the playoffs at 10 and seven. Nine and eight definitely won't get you in. So it's possible, but listen, if they beat Detroit, uh, they beat Detroit. 11 and six, oh, then yeah. they're in. Yeah. Then and, they're in. And I would argue still, and, and let, let us know, the call, the call and text number is 303-831-1340. If the Broncos did end up going 10 and seven and missing the playoffs on some sort of tiebreaker, I suspect Broncos fans could live with that. Yeah, I read a column in the Post this weekend that suggested that if they miss the playoffs, uh, Sean Payton deserves an F. Um, uh, I don't have warm, cuddly feelings about Sean Payton, and I'm not sure still that he was the best coach the Broncos could have hired. But I think playoffs or no playoffs, you go 10-7 and seven after starting one oh, that's and five. A, that's, a great, that's a good year. It's a good year. It's a good year, and it's a good you, job. You get a solid B Plus, yeah, maybe a minus because it's very easy to pack it in. Look, at one point the Broncos' playoff chances dropped to three percent. Yeah, when they were one and five, three percent, and now here they are with a situation to more or less control their destiny. I I should say they really do. Now, I don't suspect they're going to win out, but but they're in there in a spot now where they control their destiny. Yeah, were they to win out, they're in. Well, yes. And so yeah. you you find yourself after a one of five start completely in control of your own destiny, and that is remarkable. And give them credit. Did th- things have to break their way? Yes. Did they have to have run into a couple teams with backups? Yes. But guess what? This year, every team's had that. Yeah. And every I, I, I want to get that. back to the point you made about Herbert because I agree with that one completely. Um, Did you see Herbert's QBR? Her- Herbert was not. He had eighteen. Was not doing tests. Was not playing QBR well before he got hurt. One point. Five and 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 listen. Do, do I think Herbert is overrated? Uh, as some have suggested, I I don't. I'm starting to wonder. I don't because I think there's so much wrong but this with case, that look, team. He's, he's hurt too. He's also hurt. He was playing yeah, hurt. He's playing. He's playing. He played. He was basically a broken finger on his left hand. Now he's got a broken finger on his right hand. He's probably not playing the rest of the year. That's yeah. he's probably done. Yeah. There's no reason for the Chargers to None. play him whatsoever. None. So None. that's that. None. None. And why would he want to come back for this coaching staff uh, when they've messed around with well, him? And this I, coaching you know staff's what's, not coming uh, back. You know what not I didn't. The Chargers. You know what I didn't like about Staley yesterday. I had nothing to do with fourth down. First two carries of the game. Austin Eckler looks like he was shot out of a can. Yep. he's ready to go. And this then they go to Spiller replaces him with the, the, the Kelly and then Spiller. Yep, and and does. Uh, and even the announcers were like, the, when yeah, he who, said during the week, mad? <laughs> uh, listen, we're going to really go with three running backs. We didn't believe him. We thought he was trying to motivate Eckler. And he wasn't. How, you know what? He wasn't. He was telling the truth. This? this is how much of a dope you're dealing. Eckler could have run for 20 yards and 30 and yards in the first two out. plays, and he'd have switched him out. That That's why this guy is a bad coach. It isn't because he goes for it on fourth down, because if you took every coach who went for it on fourth down and failed from time to time or failed as much as he fails, you went, Dan Campbell goes for it all the time on fourth down, and they didn't do anything yesterday. Nobody's well, saying, well, Dan Campbell 
can't coach because he goes for it too much on fourth down. We could, we could, we may have to disagree on that. But I mean, you look at the, well, the, no, the, the I, idea I'm not is, he, look at these situations too where Easton, Easton stick. No, I mean, I'm saying I thought his forced down moves were terrible. You were okay with them. I thought they were disastrous. Uh, Easton stick comes into the game. What's the first thing they do? Three pass plays. Yeah. What? Yeah. I mean, well, that, that just, it's bizarre. But, and against, I know he's not calling the plays, against but he's a Broncos team got a lot to that, do with by the way, came into the game surrendering the most yards on the ground in the NFL at nearly 150 right. a game. And you, you bring in your backup quarterback who you, th- there's a difference between starting a yeah. Dorian Thompson Robinson, right? Who who you knew you had to start him, you got him, and and having to grab a guy like Easton Stick after Herbert gets hurt mid game and say, "All right, go get him, champ," and well, throw three straight passes. I I, I know, but it, I was I mean, the play calling. He's not calling the plays. Kellen Moore is calling. No, the plays. but at a certain point, you but can reach over and say, "Stop calling the passes." Use, so they're brand new the, quarterback. Okay, and personnel. But, all right, but you know, I I think didn't. Now, I know he first came into the game and he threw those passes you're talking about. The second half, they started the way they started the game mm-hmm. and then got away. Again, <laughs> got away from it. Right. Uh, and, and, and the Broncos played the run well enough so that once they got ahead, a Charger team that passes just about as much in relation to running as any oh, team anybody. in football. Yeah. Uh, okay, it's it's easy even with a backup quarterback to convince them that they they have to throw it. I thought the the first pass play though of the game, but I don't know why they threw it. But Herbert throws a pass as well as you can throw it, and as I suggested on Friday, I know Keenan Allen's reputation as somebody who never drops a pass. That ain't his rep this year. He drops him all the time. He's like a Kansas City receiver this year almost. Or Jerry Judy. We'll, and get, we'll get to him in a bit. We'll get to him. Uh, but he throws it right to Allen. And if it's not a touchdown, it's a 50, 60-yard gain, and he drops it. Allen, six catches for he 68 yards it. on a dozen targets. And he dropped at least one. 50% at least one. rate. Now that's obviously a concern. The Chargers have their own problems. The Broncos will see them again. But, but the Broncos had no problems. That was the the deal yesterday. And yeah, if it had been two months ago and they turned it over like they did early on the first play, right? And you knew it was going to get called that way on replay. Oh, it was absolutely an interception. Absolutely, totally right call. If it had been two months ago, I'd have said, boy, that's not the kind of omen you're looking for early on. In this case, it's the Chargers. And even if they hold them to a field goal, it's a win. It is. Even the announcers are saying that. Nothing. But, yeah. But because I think they knew. Now, you know, going for it out at the 40 when you have the kind of kicker they have, I might have kicked the field goal. In in other instances, but from there, and he throws the ball again. It, it isn't a perfect pass, but a major league tight end has to catch it. Even Denver's tight ends might have caught that pass, but Everett, of course, because he plays for the Chargers, he drops it. The Broncos get the job <laughs> so, done, and as Sandy's point is interesting. Game, Let's talk about that. Game all the way. I don't know how good the Broncos. Are necessarily I thought, just I yet. thought the Broncos were really good yesterday. But Re- Sandy's point is interesting. Regardless of the opposite. They are at least functional, which yes. quite frankly, with only a month left in this season, 
that might be enough in an AFC in which functional seems to be a problem. We'll talk about it more next on Mile High Sports. Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar, presented by Superbook Sports. Download the Superbook app and start winning today at Superbook.com. Here's Sean and Sandy. Wilson has all day here. Now he's going to take a deep shot. Sutton in the end zone. And Cortland Sutton, with a flag down, makes the catch for a t- That's from CBS, of course. The, home uh, away from home. Yeah, you could hear that crowd. I mean, pretty remarkable. Look at the crowd reaction. You, you didn't hear any of that. Not that they were provoked to do anything that would result in cheering for the R- Russell Wilson Chargers, had, but. as they pointed correctly on CBS, all the time in the world. Yeah. Oh, and, yeah. But give credit to Cortland Sutton, who, while being interfered with, sticks up a one yeah. mitt, yeah. pulls it down, yeah. and uh, again, continues with a year in which he has made an extraordinary well. number uh, of clutch That's touchdown 10. catches at 10 and a lot of them, not of the uh, routine variety, but we'll get to Sutton and we will get to Judy as the program goes along. But I want to get to someone that we didn't hear much about and that play. You didn't hear him either. That's Khalil Mack who ended up with two tackles and did bad a pass. He also hit Russell Wilson once and that was it. Yeah. He, he was back there a few times, but they, they're so brutal. Uh, the, the Broncos could kind of, I, I say, play away from him. That's actually not how you do it. You you basically play at him, at him. to try to neutralize him. Right. But the, the Broncos weren't in must-passing situations very much, if at all, during the game. I mean, the Chargers couldn't score until the very end. Right. So they had the lead early at 7 to nothing. Uh, they never were challenged uh, they got up what was it 17 to nothing before mm-hmm. the chargers finally scored a touchdown to make it 17 to 7 and in no way were you worried that that would trigger anything and in fact the broncos came right back and and, uh, and ended the game by the way on a 7 minute and 28 second yeah. drive that's right and an, an absolute just killer 13 plays uh, probably to my mind the best drive they've had all year a uh the, the broncos have not been a grinded out team that has been able to successfully get into the end zone a 13 play seven and a half minute drive to, to basically well put the dagger play. in that's the, i think that's the best drive they've had all year yeah. now, i understand the chargers that's, aren't good that, but that was the best drive they've had yeah. all year but the chargers at least on defense have been trying and max having a great year in recent weeks uh they've been trying and i i just thought the broncos are patient when they needed to be patient uh, they made big plays uh, when they had to make big plays. And uh, the thing I was especially impressed at, and I don't know that we've seen this all year, 10 different receivers caught passes yesterday wow. for the Broncos. I don't think we've seen that all year. Uh, Sutton caught three, uh, P. Ryan five, Kroll the one for 35 yards, Javante Williams caught three, Troutman two, including the touchdown grab when – you and I were closer to Trout than <laughs> the Los Angeles yeah. Chargers. Yeah, boy, he was. Uh, there's open, and then defenders. there's whatever that was. Yeah, 
Uh, Judy caught two. Uh, Humphrey won. Mims two. McLaughlin won. And Burton won for a total of 10 different receivers. And he only completed 21 passes. So he completed 21 out of 33 to 10 different receivers. Pretty impressive. And, and again, they play, I thought they ran it well. Uh, I know Williams finished 66 yards on 17 carries, but his long gain was 20, and he, had, he popped a couple when it looked like he was stopped at the line of scrimmage and looked a little better yesterday, than I, although the numbers don't suggest that he was particularly better because right. he was I thought again, he looked under better four too. yards a carry. I thought he looked better, but, too. But though. I thought he was better. I agree. McLaughlin, five for 25, that's fine. Uh, P. Ryan, two for eight. And P. Ryan was, was not, uh, at this point, it became kind of game-time decision. He plays. He led the team in receptions with five. Five, yeah. And uh, again, you know, and that's on five targets. Yeah, again. seven touches. P. Ryan has become a very... For 44 yards, I almost look good. at it, and, and the stats are important, but I look at P. Ryan as the emergency receiver, the blitz picker-upper. Oh, yeah. And the the hard runner, uh, he has been one of the secret sauces. This Broncos offense is not going to go down in history. But Pirine's one of the guys that very quietly makes it work. I I look at him, give you a comparison. You look at the champion Denver Nuggets, and you're thinking about, oh, wow, Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray. Well, Samaje Pirine is kind of the Broncos' Contavious Caldwell-Pope on offense. Yeah. He's the guy yeah. that sort of fills in all the gaps when you need him, and when you need mm-hmm. something clutch, he makes it happen. Whether it's you know catching a pass or picking up a blitz, uh, he's been really, really good. And you can tell because when when the game started to feel a little tight after the after halftime, it was ten zero. They had a lead, but that didn't feel super secure. They started going in the third quarter to a lot of Pirine. I think a three consecutive plays, as a matter of fact, and they were all effective. Uh, mm-hmm. So, I mean, he's been a really valuable piece of this offensive puzzle. And, and you start to see it added to, you know, Lucas Kroll with a 35-yard catch uh, yesterday. I mean, he goes out there and gets a, one of the biggest plays from scrimmage all year. Yeah. Um, unfortunately for Russell Wilson, he gets the interception, which probably should be credited to Marvin Mims because that yeah. ball was... Yeah, I mean, I don't tag Wilson with, with too much of that. I. You know, Wilson's rating was 91.0, and for what was required yesterday, yeah. you take I that thought interception that was out, fine. Well into the he, was, he was only sacked twice, yep. uh, 33 attempts for 224 yards. Again, that's kind of what he's doing this year. Actually, a it's little higher than seven average. Yards. <laughs> it's uh, Well, the, the yardage is, yeah. but the yards per attempt About the same. Uh, is 6.8 for the game and 6.9 for the year. I mean, and, and for for the Broncos, that's okay. For the Chargers, that's not okay. That Herbert's at 6.9. Right. That's, that's a, a symptom of uh, lack of uh, function, but that's kind of the way the Broncos want to play it. Uh, but here's the funny thing. Do you know what Herbert's average is this year? 6.9. Yeah, no, I'm saying... That's yeah. It's not okay for the Chargers. Yeah, Mahomes is at Herbert seven point oh. Wilson and Herbert at six point nine. Fine for Wilson to be there. Uh, with Mahomes at seven point zero, that's because his receivers drop half the passes he throws to them. And I'm only exaggerating slightly when I say that. They, they have the highest drop rate in the league in Kansas City. So 
That's why that's 7.0. The Chiefs expect more than 7.0 yards per pass attempt. It isn't Mahomes' fault, but they expect more, right? Yeah. The Chargers not only expect more, need more. The Broncos neither expect nor do they need more than 6.9 from Russell Wilson as long as the interceptions for the year are below double digits, and right now he's got eight. And you can probably look back on the eight and say at least two aren't his fault. Mm-hmm. Uh including the one yesterday. You can also look at a couple touchdowns that he doesn't have that he very well could have had. Could have had. Two. But there are probably a couple that, yeah. you know, the sudden catch out. in Buffalo, it the Troutman out. catch. But either way, Russell Wilson, despite the fact he's you know, 6.9 per. That's fine. Not impressive. But you That's know where fine. he is? Top five in touchdowns thrown. Yeah. Look at the other guys yeah. that are there. They're MVP candidates. Dak Prescott, Josh Allen, Brock Purdy, Tua yeah. Tagovailoa, Patrick Mahomes, Who's well, tied with Russell Wilson? Again, those teams need more and are getting more from those guys. But comparatively speaking, in a season when quarterback play has receded considerably around the league, with some exceptions mm-hmm. that you just largely identified, what he's doing for this team is not only okay, it's actually pretty good. Would you have liked a better performance in Houston than the one he gave? Yes. Did he give that kind of performance yesterday? Absolutely. Absolutely. He was pretty sharp yesterday. And and you're right. Seems to be almost growing into this game manager type of role. And give Wilson a lot of credit at the age of 35, uh, kind of sublimating his ego, putting up, comparatively small numbers, although I guess, you know, the, the argument that he's going to be able to say, and rightly so, is, uh, you know, fifth in the tie for fifth in the league in touchdowns. Look, Brock Purdy is having a better year than Russell Wilson, top to bottom. I am not making the direct comparison. But in the end, right, your job as a quarterback is to not turn the ball over and hopefully score touchdowns. Brock Purdy has 25 touchdowns and seven picks. Russell Wilson has 23 touchdowns and eight. Yeah. That's not in a totally different area code here. Yeah. And and when you're talking about the end result, what he's doing is pretty good. And he's doing it in a way that is not flashy. It's not exciting. It does invite criticism at times. But to Wilson's credit, he just kind of keeps on keeping on. I'm going to do something I've never done. But it's a way to make the point about Wilson by giving you some context. The San Francisco 49ers yesterday beat the Seahawks. 28 to 16. Geno Smith was not able to play yesterday, right. although he really wanted to from all of the pregame reports. And Pete Carroll shut him down and but said, you No, you're not, you're not playing. You got Drew Locke. Okay. Here's my point, And I'm going to do something now I've never done before. Oh, I'm going to okay. speak highly of Drew Locke. <laughs> they lost 28 to 16. And Drew Locke had two touchdown passes to go with two interceptions. But you know what? having watched much of that game, because I was kind of cheating on the Broncos once the game was over. I go over to Red Zone and watch some of the right. other games. And I'll, I'll tell you, I, from what I saw, Locke played as well as they could have ever expected and probably better. I probably better to agree. Because San Francisco goes right down the field on its first, first play of the game. Right. It doesn't go down the field. First play of the game, 
McCaffrey breaks one, right? And then they substitute him out and let the the reserve Jordan Mason gets one. Jordan Mason to score a touchdown. But anyway, they're up seven to nothing after two plays. They're up seven to nothing, and you're thinking, Oh Oh, yeah, this is a this is a fifty burger Uh, coming. Right? This is not gonna this is not gonna develop or end very well for Seattle. Hey, Locke takes him right down the field and ties the game. Ties the game, and I thought after that played quite well and much better than anybody would have anticipated who and and maybe the Seahawks thought thought he was ready and he I'm guessing he probably got a few more practice snaps this week cuz once he stumbled on Thursday in practice and pulled his groin it, there was no real work Thursday or Friday for Geno Smith. So he probably got more reps, at least on Friday when they're practicing the game plan stuff and walking through and all that. Uh, but I I thought he was as good as they needed him to be, and they're just not as good a team as San Francisco No, with Geno Smith or Drew Locke at quarterback. But Locke did his job, and I thought a little more, in all fairness. And I, I know we're consumed well, you this idea the that all that matters with quarterbacks is whether their team wins or loses. And if the, the team wins, it doesn't matter how poorly their stats uh, suggest they played. It, it, they played great. The team won. And if they lose, well, it must have been a crap performance because the team lost. Right. And especially if you lose by 12 uh, to a divisional rival. But if you watch the game, he played fine. And if you watch the game yesterday, Russell Wilson played better than his numbers suggest, and his numbers weren't bad. He just was better than his numbers. Um, I and I said the same thing about Javante Williams. I think you can have that on defense, although I must say Singleton's tackling numbers are usually number one on the team coming out of any given game. He was a force yesterday. Uh, he I was. Credit where credit is due. I'm, again, Talking about guys in favorable terms that I usually don't like, but Singleton was great yesterday. He he was as impactful as Simmons he or was. Sertan yesterday, Absolutely. if not more so. I think so. I actually I, I agree with you. The, the Broncos get that win. They find themselves in control of their playoff destiny. That's absolutely the truth now. The Denver Nuggets get going in Atlanta. They start a brief road trip. They get Atlanta and then Chicago back-to-back nights. The Nuggets have now lost three games in a row, and Nikola Jokic is in sort of an odd slump. What yeah. will we be looking forward tonight? What, what, what has gotten into Jokic and Ranton, by the way? Can we get to the bottom of this? <laughs> Ranton can't score goals, and Jokic can't make shots that ordinarily makes 95% of the time. Well, we'll get to Ranton later, but we will get to Jokic and the Nuggets next on My Life Sports. This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Can't be no excuse. I shoot. I, I don't shoot well every game. Yoke don't shoot well every game. Mike don't shoot well every game. Sometimes we don't play defense. Sometimes like it can't be just on. He missed a couple of floaters. Or why are we down? Like no. 
It's not, it's not about that. I, I hate when people keep saying that. I'm like, so what? He had a bad game. Or a bad shooting at whatever the hell you want to call it. He had a triple-double the other night, and you're saying he had a bad game. I don't know what the player had a bad game after a triple-double. So um, He's doing everything he can. Not every night's going to go your way. Um, I think we did a great job, like I said, just staying in it. Got coach, I, I give Coach some kudos. You know, um, Just keeping the starters in there, keeping whoever's playing hard in there. And uh, we're able to make it a game, at least. You know what I'm saying? That is Jamal Murray defending the two-time MVP, Nikola Jokic. The Denver Nuggets have lost their last three games in the last two. Jokic has had a, a, a tough time from the field, shooting 18 for 58, 31%. Not only is he actually shooting at a pretty high rate, nearly 30 shots a game is also so, somewhat uncharacteristic for Jokic, but the shooting percentage obviously is is very low. At the same time, I'm inclined to be 100% in agreement with Jamal Murray, saying, like, okay, uh, he's not even having a bad game. He's having bad shooting games in, in the last couple of games. It's not as if he hasn't been contributing in other ways. And uh, only three games ago, by the way, he had a 36.13 board, 14 assist, triple-double. So I, I get the frustration a little bit thinking that, oh, no, is something really wrong with Nikola Jokic. But against the Clippers, he still gets 15 boards and 10 assists and 22 points against the Rockets, who inexplicably sort of have the, the Nuggets number. He still ends up with 23 points, 16 boards and five assists. He's not having bad games. He's had some recent bad shooting games. And uh, you heard it from uh, Danny in the booth and Frank Sinatra. Yeah, that's life. Yeah, um, it's unusual. Um, you're right to see him take 32 well, that shots. That weirder than having a bad shooting night. That happens and then to everybody. 26 shots, but nobody else was doing very much. And, you know, Murray's coming off a hamstring injury, uh, a tweak to the ankle, uh, played 32 minutes. I, I think. They probably played Jokic a little more than they wanted to play him, uh, especially during the time that Murray was out. And he performed, but I I think there's going to be maybe a bit of a lag effect in that if he's a little tired and a little bit off, it's what's it going to affect most that's obvious to uh, those of us watching? Gonna affect his shooting, right? Right, and one of the ones he's missed has been uncharacteristic. Those little floaters, those oh, little yeah. teardrops. Well, those are the ones actually. It's pretty the, easy the to little, miss. Little little touch. You don't have a lot of bounce. He's not a guy yeah. that you know has you know big high. <laughs> he's not you know jump shooting. Uh, it's 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 not a thing for me. I just it's look not at even it, I'm, a like, slump. I, I'm not even concerned. It's not, it's not even it's a two, slump. It's two bad shooting games. But but it, it's a part of it is and. You know, it's it's early enough in the season, and, and the Nuggets have gone back and forth between Najee and Jordan as backups. Uh, Jokic did only play 34 minutes the other night, but, you know, the hockey term, which doesn't get used very much anymore, uh, and it doesn't get used because coaches don't do it, but I remember growing up at, in the 16 National Hockey League, they used to talk about shadows. Now, in football, there's spies, right, mm-hmm. where you spy the quarterback with one, sometimes two people. And 
the shadowing concept in hockey is kind of going away. You're you're matching up differently now rather than making sure, uh, you know, the, the old Bruins, Peter McNabb used to talk all the time about this. Uh, when he played with the Bruins and they played the Canadians, Don Cherry would tell Don Marcotte, who was a utility forward, Cherry loved him, he'd say, if Guy Lafleur comes off the ice and goes to the restroom, you follow him to the restroom when you come off the ice. I mean, to the point where I think it's generally assumed that the famous six men on the ice penalty that uh, allowed the Canadians to win a final Stanley Cup before uh, most of them, uh, including Scotty Bowman and Ken Dryden, left or got old, uh, retired, but whatever term you want to use, it was Marcotte who got caught because he got stuck out there when Lafleur came off. And, you know, the guys who were supposed to be out there jumped in, but he, he should have come off and he didn't quite make it. The Bruins have sworn to the – they're all dead, I guess, and then nobody will be able to tell. <laughs> they're not ever going to – Tell anybody who the six men is, but anyway, he was he was supposed to shadow Lafleur. Um, you, you don't see that happen anymore. But the other night, Shangun of Houston, the kid center who Jokic has endorsed, is one of the great young bigs coming into the league. Every time Jokic went out, Shangun went out. Jokic comes back in, Shangun comes back in. Yeah, they played literally the same. They wanted to match minutes, the size. Thirty-four minutes. Could. And Shingun was plus 11, and Jokic was plus 3, and the final score was 114 to 106. And Shingun had 17 points, 10 rebounds, 7 assists, a block, only one turnover, plus 11 to Jokic's 23, 16, and 5 with two blocks, three turnovers, and in 34 minutes, same 34 minutes, a, a plus 3. Um, if you win the game, even if Jokic is plus three and Shingun is plus 11, if you win the game, nobody says anything. Right. It's kind of a curiosity. That's it. But when you lose three in a row, uh, people want answers. And uh, blaming the bench for everything is it kind of been done this year right. when they lose, right? right? Yeah. So you got to look at something else. And for a guy who shoots between 55 and 60%, to go 18 for 58 over two games is probably noteworthy. It is noteworthy. And people want to ask about it, but Murray's response was exactly the response you He's still would human. expect from a team it's, leader. It's easy to. And it's, it's okay. It's the same thing as rent and going nine yeah. games without it's scoring easy to a goal. Forget. It's going to happen. He'll break out. How good Nikola Jokic consistently is. And when he has a game that makes him look like a mere mortal, it looks right. like some sort of huge problem. Right. Uh, but that's not really fair. I, Michael Jordan had games where he shot like that, too. Oh, um, a lot of them. No, nobody goes, Playoff oh, no, what's even. wrong with my? I mean, Playoff it, it happens, even. okay? Well, yeah, I remember the one, other guys one get year paid in the playoffs. For a reason. I remember one year in the playoffs where people had a big uh, reaction to games that he didn't play very well coinciding with uh, trips to Atlantic City. Yeah, the only issue is, of course, <laughs> yeah. Remember that? Oh, no, I remember. The 
out of the top six teams in the playoffs, in the playoff spots right now, that the Nuggets are the only team on a losing streak. So I get that. And they're 5-8. and eight. Road record yeah. is not something to be proud of, especially when the teams no, ahead of them in the West, Dallas, Oklahoma City, and Minnesota all have winning records on the road, but and the Nuggets you know have a losing record on the road. You know, again, um, I resort to uh, my road win, home loss mm-hmm. differential, and well, we're a quarter of the way into the season, so you can begin to maybe pay some attention to it. Boston and Minnesota are plus six. Who else is better in then Denver's plus four. Answer is no one. The Hawks, now, you got a host of teams at plus three. Uh, two, four, six, eight teams at plus three. Oklahoma City, Dallas, Sacramento, Orlando, Milwaukee, Philadelphia, New York, and Miami. And all those teams think they're doing just fine. Denver's the only team. I think the Nuggets believe they're doing fine. The only team that is playing a pretty healthy brand of basketball. It, last Friday night, was the first home loss for the Nuggets, first road win for Houston. I mean, the Nuggets were going to lose at home. I didn't think they'd lose to Houston first. The Rockets were going to win on the road. I didn't think they'd beat the Nuggets for their first road victory. But in any case, uh, the the uh, by, by the way, the in-season champion winners, the Lakers, they're plus two. Okay, they, they're about 11 teams playing better basketball than the Lakers are playing in spite of the, the obvious critical and defining nature of the in-season NBA tournament. Uh, but the team that you're right, the team they're playing Atlanta tonight is your classic 500 nine team. 9-12, and they're 3-6 and six at home. Well, yeah. I mean, But, that, but that, they, they play 12 games on the road. Yeah. But, I mean, and this, they're actually better on the road. So, the, you know, the it Nuggets works are out. a better team. The, right. the, the Nuggets are, Atlanta's a 500 Are team. a proud team. The Nuggets had one four-game losing streak all of last season. Just bad that in, in last March they had a four-game losing streak. That's the last time that's happened. I suspect they will probably get right. Jamal Murray is a game-time decision, reportedly, although, you know, you hear him talking about after that Houston game. Doesn't sound like a guy that isn't ready to go out and play, but but we'll see. I suspect you'll get something better out of the Nuggets, and then you have the back-to-back on Tuesday night against Chicago. We'll find out you know, well, how they look. But here, here's I, just, my, I just look here's at Jokic's my... thing, and I'm... I, Sandy, I, I know we're on we're on Sports Talk Radio, and you're supposed to make a big deal of it. All I can really do is just shrug my shoulders and like, here's what you make a big deal of. And I said it last week, and a couple you of know, you you agreed. Games. Name me for the Nuggets this year a bad loss, a loss to either at home an atrocious team, or a road game that they had no well, business losing. Didn't like the Friday loss. loss to Houston. But Houston's not a bad team. I, that's that's kind of what I'm saying. Houston's lost once at home, and they've won once on the road. Their their, their record, I believe, is ten and nine. That's right. Because they played ten at home, and they played nine on the road. Okay. The Clippers are plus one at eleven and ten. Houston is zero. Okay. But but that isn't to me. That's not. They beat you two times out of three, twice on their court. You beat them on your court. Uh, they caught no, I mean, the Nuggets at the right time the other night when Jokic was having a bad shooting game. That, what I'm saying that just is, losing on the road doesn't matter, and, right? I mean, oh. you're not making that argument, are you? I mean, I, 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 I get I'm your argument that, that home wins and home, but I mean, I, you terrible, can you can have bad losses on the road. There aren't terrible road losses that they have sustained this year, in my opinion. If they had lost in Detroit, and I don't care if Jokic and Malone gets out of the Cleveland, game, I know, but Cleveland's not. 
I keep telling you, Cleveland's not a bad team. How bad do they have to be to be a bad loss? It's 13. They're a good team, though. They're, a, they're in sixth in the East. Like the the defending champs. I know, okay. but you can't. Well, then, they, then on that basis, any loss by definition not any is loss, a bad loss. Not any loss. No. Look, games are games are decided okay. in close terms. But I'll give you they, they the lost games, to Houston by I'll, almost 20. I'll give you half a dozen games Houston. that had they lost would have been bad losses. Okay? Golden State, they beat them. Utah, they beat them. Uh, Chicago, they already beat them. Memphis, they beat them. San Antonio, they beat him. Detroit, without Malone for most of the game and without Jokic for most of the game. Maybe they got a little fortunate, but they were playing Detroit after all. It would have been a bad loss, but they didn't lose. They won. There isn't a single other loss that you can say, God almighty, Hmm. I, I have a different... I, I'm really concerned that they they blew a game uh, where they were up by double digits hmm. late and they blew it, okay. or they lost to okay. a terrible team. Now, if they lose anywhere to the teams I just mentioned, and I'll throw Charlotte in, I'll throw Washington in, I'll throw Portland in, I'll throw Toronto, and I'll throw Brooklyn in. If they lose to any of those teams anywhere... Then you can call it a bad loss. Okay. Well, I'm calling two of the losses to Houston a bad loss anyway because that's the way I no. feel about it. But they're done with Houston because they've literally already played them all four times. You don't think Houston's that's a playoff weird. team? That's weird. I think Houston's a playoff team. They play Atlanta tonight. They'll play Chicago tomorrow. We'll cover it tomorrow. But time to turn our attention Chicago back to the would be Broncos with our Broncos lead writer and the host of Good Morning Broncos podcast. Cody Rourke joins us next on My Life Sports. I put the pedal down to make some time.